Revelation chapter number 19 tonight. Revelation chapter number 19. We have been looking, we began Sunday morning to look at two words in preparation for this coming Sunday. It's two words and it's the words true and faithful. We began Sunday in Jeremiah chapter number 42. And what a passage there in Jeremiah chapter number 42. The prophet Jeremiah comes to them. They come to Jeremiah really with a, a, the Bible says it, a dissembled request. They were not giving their true motives. They already knew what they were going to do. They didn't care what Jeremiah said. They didn't care what the Lord said. Uh, They were going to do it. And then in Jeremiah 44, uh, in Jeremiah 42, 5, they said... The faithful and true God will listen to whatever He says. Now, they were lying right there because they they weren't going to do that. He said, the faithful and true God be witness between us that whatever you say, we're going to do. And they they had already planned in their mind they were going to go down into Egypt. They weren't going to listen to what God said or the prophet Jeremiah said. And then in chapter 44, verse 28, the Lord said, you're going to see. You're going to see whose words are going to stand, either mine or theirs. And we know who, whose words stand, it is the Lord's word. And then uh, Sunday night in Revelation uh, chapter number 3, the church of the Laodiceans, the Bible says there in verse number 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these, saying, excuse me, these things saith the amen. Hey, listen, I, I come right in here after being with all the little ones, so my mouth just doesn't. I'm still speaking little kid talk, so it takes me a minute. Verse 14 says, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness. And then tonight, Revelation chapter number 19, I want us to look again at these two words, faithful and true, part number three. Faithful and true, part number three. Because as we think about Sunday, our 75th anniversary, really it happened back in March, was really the date, March the 18th, 1948 is when Maranatha Baptist Church began. But Sunday, as we celebrate 75 years, uh, we are thinking about these two words because it doesn't matter what anybody's done, doesn't matter who the pastors have been, uh, the reason that this church has been here for 75 years is because... Now, now, let me back up. It does matter. Don't misunderstand me tonight. But this church has been here because we serve a faithful and true God. We serve a God who is always faithful... We serve a God who is always true, and because of that, we ought to continue for another 75 years if the Lord doesn't come back, right? Amen? And we ought to still be preaching the same thing. We ought to still be preaching the truth of God's Word. There shouldn't be any change. God doesn't change. Societies change. Culture changes. I know I don't have to say that. I don't mean to be repetitious, but, you know, a lot of things are changing, but we shouldn't. We shouldn't. My son showed me a little video clip last night. Maybe some of you have seen it. It is blasphemous to the core. A church depicting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ using the Toy Story movie. Any of y'all seen that? Blasphemous. Buzz Lightyear is Jesus Christ. Crazy. What does that have to do with church? Absolutely nothing doesn't have anything to do with church. But, but we're, we're changing, and there's a reason we're changing. There's many reasons why we're changing, but my point tonight is, look, we serve a God who is faithful and true. 
And He will always be that way. And He has always been that way. And because of that, we ought to be a people who remain faithful and true. We ought to be a people who remain faithful and true to the truths of God's holy word. And so look here, Revelation chapter number 19. We find a third occurrence of these two words here in verse number 11. And let me read verses 11 down through verse number 16. Verses 7 through 10, we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll see that a little bit tonight as well. My my desire tonight is not for this to be a, a prophetic message. My desire is simply to see those two words again tonight, faithful and true. In verses 7 through 10, you have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then in verse number 11, we have the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. Uh, his second coming, not the rapture, but his second coming when he's actually going to come and set foot upon this earth. He's going to judge the nations. And by the way, we are not, we, we are in the church age. We are not in the kingdom age yet. There are a lot of people who, who are wrong on this. They think that we, the church, are going to usher in the kingdom. Jesus Christ is going to set up His kingdom. And Jesus Christ is going to come back. Uh, there are those who believe that things are going to get better and better and better and we're going to usher in the 1,000 year, the millennial reign, if you will. Look, what do you do with Revelation 19? Jesus Christ is going to have to come back first and judge the nations because it's not going to get better and better. 2 Timothy 3 tells us that. The Apostle Paul told us that in his epistle to Timothy. He said, look, in the latter days, perilous times shall come. It's not going to get better and better where we usher in the kingdom. Jesus Christ is going to have to come back, and He's going to have to judge the nations, and then He's going to set up His kingdom. And I'm thankful, and we see it right here in the passage tonight, that if you know Christ as Savior you're going to be one of those that comes back with them. The wonderful thing is we're not even going to have to fight. He does all the fighting. Look what the Bible says here, verse number 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him, notice this, was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he's always right. He's always right. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now, by the way, we may not know that name, but there are many names mentioned here that we do know. True and faithful, the Word, King of kings, Lord of lords. And he was clothed, the Bible says, verse 13, with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name, by the way, that's not the blood that he shed on the cross. That's the blood that's going to run to the, to the horse's bridle when he comes back to judge. And he, excuse me, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. John 1 tells us that, doesn't it? And there he is the Word. The Bible says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, notice this, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And we'll see who that is in just a moment. Verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. That's all it's going to take. The sharp sword that comes out of his mouth, the Word of God. He is the Word of God. His name is the Word of God. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. And I believe there's, it, it speaks of the Word of God. Does he need anything else? And the Word of God, with the Word of God, he's going to smite the nations, the Bible says. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, Psalm 2, 
and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thighs a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And in this passage tonight, I just want to show us four things that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and true in that we find in Revelation chapter number 19. He is faithful and true. He is faithful and true. Do you believe that tonight? I know you do. I know you do. We have a head knowledge of it. Okay, we, we believe it. But do we put it into practice? And I've said that many times over the past few weeks. We know the Word of God is true. We know God is true. We know the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and true. He never lies. He cannot lie. God is not a man that He could lie. Titus 1 says that He cannot lie. And we have a head knowledge of that. But what about when the tough times come? Who's, who or what is the first thing that we run to? Well, if he is true and faithful, if he is faithful and true, he ought to be the first thing I run to. His word, if it's faithful and true, and it is, and I believe it is because he says it is, and I believe it because he said it, then we ought to run to the word. Doesn't mean we don't have folks that help us and encourage us and and help us find things in the word that help us, but... The first place I ought to run to is the Word of God. The first person I ought to run to is the Lord Jesus Christ because He is faithful and true. Never unfaithful. Never unfaithful. Never lies. That's why if you're in here tonight and you're doubting your salvation, okay, well then let's go back. Did you with a sincere, repentant heart call upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? If you did, then tonight you need to stop doubting. Because God doesn't lie. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We saw in 1 John chapter number 5 on Sunday morning, the Bible says that He is the witness, and this is the witness that He has, excuse me, that He hath given us, to us, eternal life. Eternal is forever. It's not for a week or two weeks. By the way, it's not if I feel like I'm saved today. Because my feelings go up and down, don't they? Our feelings are just, they're all over the board, right? They shouldn't be, but sometimes they are, aren't they? No, no, it's not based upon my feelings. It's based upon the truth of God's Word. By the way, nothing in our lives ought to be based upon feelings. Ought to be based upon God's word. Now, do we have feelings? Absolutely. And I'm thankful for that. God gave us feelings. God made us people who have feelings. I have deep feelings for my wife. I have deep feelings for my children. Okay, I have deep feelings for my church family. But I don't live my life on feelings. I live my life on the truth of God's word. And so let's look here. Revelation chapter number 19. Faithful and true. Christ is faithful and true in several things that we find here in this passage. I'll tell you what, let's pray. and Let's pray for the kids and the teenagers next door. A good group tonight, as we've had for the past several weeks. Just so thankful for God's goodness. Let's pray for them tonight. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house once again, just to come and to take a deep breath and just to be refreshed from your word tonight. Just to be encouraged and helped. And I pray that we would be. 
And Father, I, I want to lift up our children and our teenagers tonight. I want to lift up all those workers that are working with them even right now, that work with them every Wednesday night. Father, I pray that you'd use them. I pray that if there would be a child, a teenager, who has never come to the knowledge of Christ, the saving knowledge of Christ, Father, I pray that tonight they would see their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray the same, that same request for every one of us in here tonight. If there's one in here tonight that has never truly come to the saving knowledge of Christ, Father, may tonight be the night that they see their need for the finished work, for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may tonight they be gloriously born again. Father, we pray for that tonight. We ask for your help. May tonight be another opportunity for the Word of God to be placed in our hearts. Father, we need your Word. Our homes need your Word. Our church needs your Word. Our nation needs your Word. Help us to be a people who are students of your Word. Help us to be a people who aren't just hearers of the Word, but we are doers of the Word. God, help us with that even tonight. Father, show us. Show us specifically areas where we are lacking and negligent, areas maybe where we're in sin tonight. Lord, may you reveal those to us tonight. Even if it's not even mentioned tonight, Lord, may your Holy Spirit work in our hearts tonight. Remind us of the truths that we find here in Revelation 19, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Number one tonight, He is faithful and true. First of all, very simple, we've already, this, we've already talked about this. Number one, in His Word in his word. In verse number 13, the Bible says, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. We won't spend a whole lot of time here because that was our focus on Sunday morning, morning Jeremiah 42, 43, and 44. He said, look, you're, you're going to find out whose words are going to stand, mine or theirs. You're, you're going to find out those individuals that rejected my word. You're going to find out what's going to happen. He is faithful and true tonight in his word. So I say it again. If God, God's Word says it, let's trust it. If God's Word says it, let's obey it. If God's Word says it, let's stop doubting in those areas. If God's Word says it, let's stop rejecting God in those areas and let's trust Him. Let's, 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 let's not live on feelings tonight. Let's not live on opinion tonight. Let's not live on the culture tonight. Let's not live on what the world says tonight. Let's live on the truth that God, that the Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and true in His Word. You know the old phrase, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank, every bit of it. He is faithful and true in His Word. Number two, He is faithful and true in His war, W-A-R, in His war. Look what the Bible says again there in verse number 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And notice this, and in righteousness, we mentioned this when we read it. He's always right, he's always right. He doth judge and make war. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just start wars for no reason. Nations do, but the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't. The Lord Jesus Christ is righteous. The Lord Jesus Christ is faithful and true. And when He comes back that second time to set His feet upon this earth, upon the Mount of Olives there, when He comes back and He splits it and the earthquake happens and He goes there to Armageddon and He judges the nation. By the way, this isn't the message tonight, but let's just read it real quickly. We're right here. Look at verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, 
that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh." The Bible speaks back in chapter number 16. Go back just a couple of pages if you would. Chapter number 16 and verse number 14. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shamed, excuse me, shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. He is faithful and true, number one, in his word, but he is faithful and true, secondly, in his war. When he comes back, it's not going to be a meaningless war. When he comes back, he's coming back to judge the nations. He's coming back to judge their wickedness. Look in verse, um, verse number 13 again. The Bible says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped, excuse me, dipped in blood. Verse number 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Look, he came the first time as a baby. He came in Bethlehem. He was in a manger. He came as the lamb that was going to die on the cross of Calvary, who did die on the cross of Calvary. He came back as the excuse me, he came as the lamb the first time. He's not coming back as the lamb the second time. He's still the lamb. He'll always be the lamb. But when he comes back the second time, he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back to judge the nations. And he is faithful and true in his word, and he is faithful and true in his war. And then thirdly, going right along with war. Number three, he is faithful and true in his wrath. We already read verse number 15. Drop back to verse number two of chapter 19. The Bible says, For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. He is faithful and true in his wrath. Drop back again to chapter number 16 and look at verse number four. Chapter number 16 and verse number 4. He is faithful and true in His wrath. He doesn't bring wrath as we would say sometimes willy-nilly, does He? No, He brings it for a purpose. He brings it for a reason. Because here's the truth. God is much more long-suffering than we are. Okay, so, so when, when, when it's time, then it's time. You think about Judah. You speak about Jeremiah and you speak about Lamentations. In the Bible, even Sunday, we read Sunday morning, the Bible speaks there. And the Lord Jesus Christ told them, and through the vessel of Jeremiah, He said, Look, I sent my prophets rising early. He said, Time and time and time and time again, I sent my prophets to preach to you, to seek for your repentance, to tell you the truth, to show you that judgment's coming, to show you to, or, or to, to beg you to return and to repent so that judgment wouldn't have to come. He said, but you wouldn't listen. 
He was long-suffering. By the way, last Wednesday night in Psalm 86, we saw in verse number 5, He is plenteous in mercy. He's plenteous in mercy. He's long-suffering. But there comes a moment when He says, enough's enough. And he has to bring judgment. And by the way, he's righteous. Verse number 11 of chapter 19. He is right. He's always right in his judgments. That's why he can be the just and the justifier. He's always right in his judgments. And when he comes and he brings his wrath. Chapter 16, verse number 4. I had you turn there. He is faithful and true in his word. He is faithful and true in his war. He is faithful and true in his wrath. Chapter number 16 and verse number 4, the Bible says, The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. It's going to be an awful time, by the way. It's going to be an awful time. That's why nobody should ever desire for anyone to go through what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. I don't even, we can't even imagine Beginning in chapter number 6, when you begin with the seal judgments, and you have the vile judgments, and you have the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, we can't even imagine the devastation upon this earth. And the Bible says here in verse number 4, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous. Thou art righteous. Thou art faithful and true. Thou art righteous. You're always right. Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because Thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, True and righteous are thy judgments. He is faithful and true in his word, in his war, in his wrath. Let me give you a fourth one back in chapter number 19. He is faithful and true, number four, in his wardrobe. By the way, I'm not speaking of his, although we, we see it in those six verses. But I'm speaking of the wardrobe that he gives to his saints. Would you drop back to verse 7 in Revelation 19? Would you look there? Revelation 19 and verse 7, He is faithful and true in His wardrobe. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Notice this. It gives us the explanation right in the verse. For the, excuse me, the fine linen is the what? The righteousness of saints. It is the righteousness of saints. We say, hang on, hang on, pastor. The Bible says that our righteousness says are as filthy rags. Yeah, absolutely right. But when a person becomes a saint, when they get saved, And by the way, we don't become a saint because the Catholic Church tells us we're a saint. We become a saint when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And when a person becomes a saint, the Bible says that we are wardrobed. 
with the righteousness of Christ. That we are clothed. No longer. Our righteousnesses are taken away. He said He will not impute them to us anymore. But the righteousness of Christ, Romans chapter 4 speaks of, the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon our account. And we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Fine, white linen, the Bible says. And by the way, who does it say in verse number 14 comes with him? The Bible says the armies, in verse 8, it says, For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. His wife, his bride, in verse number 7, in verse number 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, Clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. By the way, that's why the brides wear white, right? It means something. Well, we're not traditional anymore. Yeah, you're probably not because you can't wear white anymore. It matters. And to her was, I'm not trying to hurt anybody tonight, but I'm just saying it matters. We live in a day where we just throw a lot of things away and just say they don't matter anymore. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we give up so easily? Why do we give up truth and what matters and meanings? Why do we give that up so easily? And to her was granted. By the way, that's why the local church is so important. Acts 20, verse number 28. The local church is so important because He has purchased the church with His blood. The church is so important because He has arrayed her in fine linen because she is His bride. And the only way she can be arrayed in fine linen is because of everything He's done. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And then in verse 14, "...in the armies which were in heaven followed Him." Upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. It's the saints. He is faithful and true in His wardrobe. Go back real quickly, if you would, just a few pages. Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter number 1. He's faithful and true. He's faithful and true in His word, in His war, in His wrath, in His wardrobe. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5. The Bible says, From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. We saw that Sunday night in Revelation 3.14. Who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him. Unto him that loved us. And washed us from our sins in His own blood. Well, that ought to mean something to us. We are arrayed in fine linen because of Him. We are wardrobed in His righteousness because of Him. Because He has washed us from our sins in His own blood. He is faithful and true in His Word. 
And His Word tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It's the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. It's the blood of Christ that cleanses us. It's the blood of Christ that makes us white and clean. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He is faithful and true in His wardrobe. That's why I say again, if you know Christ, stop doubting. And I'm not saying anybody in here is tonight. But if you know Christ, He has robed you in His righteousness. When you stand before God, that's what God's going to see. Well, I just... Pastor, if you only knew what I did yesterday. Pastor, if you only knew what I said to my wife today. I don't know if I'm getting in or not. So did somehow from... I don't know, Sunday or whenever you got saved till yesterday, somehow his blood became ineffective? It's not about what I do. Now, what I do is important. Don't you misunderstand tonight. By the way, I've been here long enough, I shouldn't make those caveats anymore. You should know that. It does matter what we do, but when it comes to my salvation, it's nothing about me. It's all about everything He's done. You know, all all the religions of the world are based on two words. We say it many, many times. They're based on two words. The word do or the word done. Most religions, they do until they're blue in the face because they think all of the doing is going to get them to heaven. And then there are those who believe that when He said it is finished, He meant it. And it was done. By the way, that's one of the things that angered me so much when my son showed me this little clip. Buzz Lightyear falls into the toy box with his arms spread out and said, it is finished. I wonder why that church building hasn't gotten hit by lightning yet. You know why it hasn't? Because God's more long-suffering than we are. (laughs) He's more merciful than we are. But that's blasphemous. It's blasphemous. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary was the only one who could say it is finished. Now I know in their hearts somewhere they're thinking, we're just portraying Jesus Christ with a Toy Story movie. It is finished. Do So either tonight you are trying to do and trying to do and trying to do and trying to do or tonight you've said, you know what, it's done. Jesus Christ finished it. Jesus Christ paid it all. There's nothing I can do. Because the Bible says all of my righteousness are as filthy rags. But now because of Christ I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So pastor... If I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ, white, clean, fine linen, whoo, that means I can do anything, right? Look at Revelation 19. Look at verse number 9. You still there? Number 5. 
He is faithful and true in His word, in His war, in His wrath, and in His wardrobe. And then number five, that means we ought to be faithful and true in our worship. Look at verses 9 and 10. That means that we ought to be faithful and true in our worship. The Bible says, And He saith unto me, Right blessed are all they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at His feet to worship Him. And He said unto me, See thou do it not. The angel said, No, 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 no. You don't worship me. See that thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Most people, when they study prophecy, they're studying it to try to figure out who the Antichrist is. They're they're trying to figure out uh, all the different uh, numbers and all the different symbols. And by the way, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with studying those things. But when we study prophecy, we ought to study it for one reason, to see what it says about Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying in verse number 10. The spirit, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's all about Christ. By the way, go back to chapter number 1, Revelation chapter number 1. First five words. By the way, let me say this, time out. Another one of my pet peeves, if you do it, I love you, I love you with all my heart. But it's not revelations. It's revelation. (laughs) Revelation. Why? Because it's the, verse 1, the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And in Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 10, He said, look, no, 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 don't don't do that. I'm thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He is faithful and true in His word. He is faithful and true in His war. He doesn't start meaningless wars. He is faithful and true in His wrath. And He is faithful and true in His wardrobe. If He clothed you with His righteousness, you are still clothed with His righteousness. But don't take advantage of that. You ought to be faithful and true. I ought to be faithful and true in my worship. I ought to be faithful and true in my worship. And the greatest expression of worship is obedience. It's not raising the hands. I'm not against that. But the greatest expression of worship, of true worship, is obedience. That's why it ought to bother you when people talk about worship and praise and worship and they could care less about obeying God or obeying His Word or being consecrated Christians. You you can't argue. You can You're arguing with God and you're arguing with the Bible if you say that Christians don't have to be any different than the world. Just go to 1 Peter 2. We're a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood. God has saved us to be different. God has saved us to be... By the way, in the book of Romans, we are to be conformed to His image. And so the greatest form of worship 
is obedience. Is obedience. Genuine obedience. By the way, not just checking a list, but genuine obedience from the heart. There are a lot of folks, a lot of church folks that obey just because somebody's watching. Now, I'm glad they obey. But there ought to be obedience coupled with honor. That's true worship. Obedience coupled with honor. I'm obeying you because I honor you. I reverence you. I'm not just obeying because mom and dad are watching, the pastor's watching, somebody else is watching, and I've got to check my list. No, no, no. I'm obeying you because I reverence you. I'm obeying you because I honor you. By the way, that's what he says about children from moms and dads, right? Obedience and honor. Action and attitude. And it's no different for us. He is faithful and true. And so we ought to be faithful and true in our worship. And God help us to be so. Aren't you thankful tonight that He's faithful and true? Aren't you thankful? Oh my. Helps us to sleep better, doesn't it? Because He's faithful and true. It helps us to live in this old crazy world because He's faithful. You can do it, by the way. Because He's faithful and true. And He desires for us to be the same. Amen. Father, thank You for the time You've given us tonight. Father, what a passage. What a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who gave and paid everything for us. Father, we praise You tonight that You're a faithful God. You're faithful and true. Lord, would You help us to be the same? Would You help us to be faithful and true children? Faithful and true Christians? Faithful and true believers? Faithful and true as Your bride? Father, would You help us to be so? Father, we love You tonight. We're thankful for this place. Lord, we know it's just a place and it's just a building, but this is the place where a local called out assembly meets on a weekly basis. And it's important because You gave Your very life's blood for it. That's why it's so valuable. And so, Lord, we thank You for this place. We thank You for the people that are represented here, that You have brought together here. We thank You for the 75 years You've given us. May You continue to give us life. May You continue to give us growth. Father, may you continue to, most of all, give us spiritual growth. Father, may we as individuals grow on a daily basis in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. Father, go with us tonight as we head back to our homes. Give us safety. Father, I ask that you bring us back together on Sunday. Looking forward.